The following was found in an old book written on a small piece of scrap paper. This book contains the mind of God, the state of humans, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, and the happiness of believers. Its doctrines are holy, its precepts binding. Read it to be wise, believe it to be safe, and practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you, food to support you, and comfort to cheer you. It is the traveler's map, the pilgrim's staff, the pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, and the Christian's charter. Here heaven is opened and the gates of hell disclosed. Christ is its grand subject, our good its design, and the glory of God its end. It should fill the memory, rule the heart, and guide the feet. Read it slowly, frequently, prayerfully. It is given to you in life, will be opened at the judgment, and be remembered forever. This book, of course, is the Bible, the inspired Word of God. It helps us to understand the mind and the will of the Creator of the universe. Imagine that. The mind and the will of the one who created the entire cosmos. It lays out for us the path to heaven. It brings us wisdom and comfort and all those great benefits I just shared with you in that reflection. Which brings up the obvious question, I think. If the Bible is so wonderful, and indeed it is, why do so few people actually read it on a daily basis? You would think they'd want to read it at least as often as they read the newspaper. Think about what you get in the paper every day. You certainly don't get the mind of God most of the time. If anything, you get the mind of the other guy. You get a lot of lies and a bunch of stories that cause you to experience at times anger and frustration and discouragement, what we Italians call agita, right? Not pleasant. And yet I know many people who never pick up the Bible whose day is not complete unless they put themselves through the self-inflicted torture of reading the Providence Journal or the Westerly Sun or the New London Day, to be fair, preferably with a cup of coffee in their hand. Now, maybe some don't read Scripture because they're lazy. That's a possibility. Or because their lives are not centered on God and the things of God. But I really believe that many other people never crack their Bibles open because they get intimidated. They get intimidated at the thought of trying to find their way through such a massive book, which is really a collection of 73 separate books. And some of those books have several different types of literature contained in them. To be completely accurate, the Bible is a library under a single cover. And it's a library with many different types of literature in it. And that presents a problem for all of us when we're trying to understand a particular line or passage. 
We have to try to figure out, first of all, what part of the library we are in before we can accurately interpret what we're reading. Are we in the history section? Or are we in the poetry section? Or the apocalyptic section? Or the legal section? Or some other section? You don't interpret a proverb like you interpret a piece of apocalyptic writing. You don't interpret an historical writing like you interpret a parable or a letter. So it is difficult at times. But even though there are all these difficulties associated with the scriptures, the benefits of reading the Bible make it all worth it. As we heard a few moments ago in that reflection I shared with you. The power of God's written word is evident, clearly evident, in today's first reading and in today's gospel. In that first reading, the Jews who've come back from exile in Babylon hear the Bible, part of what we now call the Old Testament, read to them for several hours. So don't complain about 15 minutes on a Sunday morning. From daybreak till noon. That's a lot of scripture. And they hadn't heard it proclaimed that way for quite some time. And because they were so enthralled with what they were hearing, because they felt the power of the word, they were moved to tears. The Bible says that. Then in today's gospel, Jesus reads a passage from Isaiah 61 in his hometown synagogue in Nazareth. After which he tells the people that he's the fulfillment of the text. Now that's where today's gospel ends. The story picks up again next week in the gospel, where Jesus offers a few more comments, and some of the members of the congregation respond by hauling him off to the edge of a cliff and trying to toss him over the edge. That also is the power of God's word. See, the Bible consoles us at times, yes, but it also convicts us of our sin and challenges us to be holy, to be perfect. When we accept that conviction and challenge and allow the word to change us, what happens? A lot of good stuff. We grow in our faith. We become better disciples. We become holy. But when we don't accept that conviction and challenge, we get angry just like the people in that synagogue in Nazareth. That explains why people flip out sometimes at a powerful homily and a powerful gospel reading on a Sunday. I always thank God there aren't a lot of cliffs in Westerly. It's probably kept me alive. Let me now offer you some practical hints on reading the Bible. And here I'm talking about reading the Bible for prayer and for spiritual nourishment, not for study. That's really a separate topic. Perhaps these hints will help you to overcome any hesitation you've had in the past or any intimidation you have felt in the past about reading the sacred scriptures. Hint number one. If you're going to read the scriptures, start with the book of Psalms and with the New Testament. The Psalms, of course, are in the Old Testament. Why the Psalms? Well, very simply because the Psalms are prayers. They are prayers that Jesus Christ himself said as a good, devout Jew 2,000 years ago. You want to pray like Jesus did? 
That's one way to do it. Pray the Psalms. There are 150 of them. Don't say them all at once. Well, you could. But don't say them all at once. They say there's a psalm to match every human emotion and circumstance. And most of them are labeled that way in the Bible. Prayer for help against oppressors. Prayer for guidance. Prayer of repentance. Thanksgiving for God's blessings. Those are some of the titles given to various psalms in the New American Bible. My suggestion is pray one psalm a day. Just one. Start off small. Flip through the book of Psalms until you find one with a title that relates to what you're going through in your life right now. That relates to how you're feeling at the present moment. And then pray it. Then read one other passage of scripture. Just one. Starting in the New Testament, since the New Testament is easier for us Christians to understand. Which brings me to hint number two. Do not try to read massive quantities of scripture all at once. You'll get discouraged probably. And that's like overeating. Spiritually speaking, it's like overeating. If you're going to read scripture for prayer and meditation, it's best to focus on one small section at a time. That was my approach when I started reading scripture as a teenager. Now, don't get me wrong, I didn't read scripture as a teenager because I was some holy kid. I was not. But I lost my father when I was 14 years of age. And after my father died, the thought occurred to me that there were probably things in that book, in that Bible, that could help me. That could help me deal with my grief and everything else I was going through as a teenager. And I'm happy to say I was right. I found lots of things in the scriptures that helped me. And my format for reading was very simple. I took my Bible and I put it on my nightstand. And I put a bookmark in chapter 1 of Matthew's Gospel, because Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. And before I went to bed at night, I would read one small section. Not a whole chapter, but one small section of a chapter. Most chapters of the Bible are divided up into several sections. Now, it took a long time, but over the course of many months, really, over the course of years, I went through those four Gospels and much of the rest of the New Testament. Now, did I miss a few nights here and there? Yes, I won't tell a lie. I did miss on occasion. But for the most part, I was faithful to that practice. And it made a huge difference in my life. Which brings me to hint number three. Get into a routine. Find a time and a place for reading scripture that works for you. And then be faithful to it. For me as a teenager, it was right before I went to bed. If I had tried to read scripture regularly at some other time of the day, I knew as a teenager it wasn't going to happen. But before bed, I knew I could do that. Now, I didn't have this down, but I'll say it anyway. I have known a number of people, usually adults with small children running around the house, who have told me, Father Ray, I read scripture a lot, but you're not going to believe where I read it. In the bathroom. <laughs> because it's the only place in my house where I can get some peace and quiet. Well, you know what? If that's what it takes, great! 
Do you think God minds? I don't think he minds at all. I think he's pleased that people are reading his word. Hint number four, consider using a meditation format, like the one that I use with the teenagers at our youth group. Every once in a while, I'll invite the teens who come here on Thursday nights to meditate on a story from one of the four Gospels. I'll read the story to them three times. The first time I do it, I tell them, just listen. Just listen to the story. When I read it the second time, I tell them, now listen for a word or a phrase that strikes you, that really jumps out at you, that you find meaningful. Then when I do it the third time, I tell them, all right, when I read this the third time, I want you to really ask yourself what God's saying to you. Say to the Lord, Lord, what are you saying to me in this story? What message do you have for me in this story, through this story? You'd be surprised the kinds of insights those teens get through this kind of spiritual exercise. Sometimes I'm blown away. You could do something similar on your own. Read a story in the gospel three times. The first time, just read it. The second time, look for a word or phrase that jumps out at you. The third time, ask the Lord, Lord, help me to see, help me to understand what you're saying to me in this text. Hint number five is material in nature. Make sure you read from a Catholic Bible that has footnotes or, there, or that you have access to a Catholic Bible commentary. Those can help you to understand very difficult verses. And finally, hints six and seven. Number six, underline or highlight passages that really speak to you. Lines that really hit home, so to speak. God does not mind that you mark up your Bibles. He likes that. And hint number seven, try to memorize as many of those lines as you can. St. Paul calls God's word the sword of the spirit, and he does that for good reason. When we're experiencing a temptation or difficulty in our lives, we can gain power over it. We can battle against it by calling to mind truths contained in God's holy word. For example, when I am tempted to do or say something that I shouldn't, which is quite often, believe it or not, I often call to mind three very short verses of the Bible that I have committed to memory. 1 John 4, 4, where Jesus says, greater, or John says, greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. That's a great line to memorize. Lord, this temptation is very powerful from Satan. But greater are you, Lord, you who are in me, than Satan who is out in the world trying to mess up my life. Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. Lord, I don't think I can resist this on my own. I know I can't. But I can in you and through you. I can do all things in you who strengthen me. And finally, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, where God says to St. Paul, My grace is sufficient for you. For in your weakness, my power reaches its perfection. Father Ray, you feel weak right now, but my grace is enough for you to deal with this. For in your weakness, Father Ray, my power reaches its perfection. See, calling those scriptures to mind 
makes a big difference in how I handle the situation I'm facing. God gave us this gift. He gave us the sword of the Spirit to guide us in good times and to help us in temptation and in trial. But we have to choose to read it. And we have to choose to put it to use. May these seven hints motivate us all to do that every single day.